0: Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, guys. Sincerely, thank you for leading us in praise and worship. We woo, let there be light. That's bright. Uh, good morning. How are you all doing today? God bless you. Let me ask you again. Good morning. How are you? Man, good to see you all. Right, well, I would see you, but we got to turn them lights down just a little bit. So my name's Danny Forsheed, pastor here at Great Hills Baptist Church. Just want to introduce myself to you. You may be a guest, and you may be a guest watching us online. We are very, very delighted that you have tuned us in. Uh, just know you've been prayed for uh, many times during this week. We've prayed for you that would be here uh, uh, in person and also those uh, that are worshiping online. Acts chapter 14, I would invite you to kind of turn your mind and your heart uh, toward this passage of Scripture. We'll read it and we'll share another message it's called a portrait of boldness i know this is palm sunday and i love this sunday when they came in waving those palm branches lining the streets of jerusalem as the king of kings came riding in on a mighty stallion right no (laughs) came riding in on a donkey a beast of burden a donkey and yet uh, he is the son of god wow and we praise him today you know the what the people cried out when Jesus came in that day was, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I always thought that word Hosanna meant praise God, but it doesn't. It literally, in the, in the Hebrew derivation of the word, it means, Oh God, save, save us, oh God. And so that's my prayer as I met with a group of men this morning, as I do every Sunday morning. We were praying hard uh, that God would save people today, uh, that the message of the gospel would go out go forward And that those of you listening online, as well as you here in person, uh, that your heart, in the words of John Wesley, founder of the Methodist denomination, would say, my heart was strangely warmed by the gospel and I surrendered my life to Christ. You know, anytime somebody becomes a follower of Jesus, it is absolutely a miracle. You know, when I became a Christian Leo, I was 19 years of age. And so many people were praying for me and witnessing to me. Actually, they got on my nerves. They kept witnessing to me. And I was like, well, I'm okay. I'm, I go to church when I can, you know. I hadn't I killed anybody. It's just me and my chewing tobacco. I mean, I'm not too bad, am I? Yeah, your pastor was hooked on, not phonics, but hooked on chewing tobacco. Uh, but last week, I got victory. Hey, Amen. I'm over it. So... No, for six years, though, from 14 to 19. But anyhow, people kept talking to me, and, and then when it really happened, it was a miracle. I just sensed, man, God did something for me that I could never earn or I could never be good enough. I could never uh, do enough. And so salvation, what a gift of God. Oh, God, that's my prayer today, that he would save. As we study the sacred text today, we're preparing for a wonderful week on Tuesday night, we're going to have another set ourselves prayer meeting movement of God. We're praying that he meets with us, Beatrice, just like he has done a work in your life. It was so beautiful to see you and Patrick over here. And Beatrice had just had a massive stroke a few weeks ago. And yet Tuesday night, she was on the altar praying before God. And I just want you to know that really blessed so many people. It's, it's a beautiful thing when you pray and ask And God physically, literally answers that prayer right before your eyes. And so we praise the Lord for that. Yes, amen. Amen. Love how God is answering our prayers on Tuesday night. We're uh, etching out an hour. Many of you are watching us online, Uh, some of you are coming in person. Uh, I was up early this morning, and God gave me uh, the outline for what we're going to do on um, Tuesday night. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to it. I need to share this with some people. Now, I'm not going to forget because I wrote it all all down. Um, yes, that's what you do when you get my age. You better write it down or you're going to forget it. But it's going to be a time we're going to have our staff. I'm going to ask our staff to come to the altar. And we're going to ask every person in the Tuesday night prayer meeting, if you have a special need, if you need a miracle of God, uh, then that's what we're going to do. The whole service is dedicated uh, to prayer. Matthew West sings this great song. He goes... I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to spend one more day without your all-consuming passion, Lord, inside of me. I don't want to go through the motions. I don't want to spend my whole life asking, what if I had given everything to God instead of going through just the religious motions? But I'm going to read a story to you today, and it's about two men, Paul and Barnabas. I call them portraits of boldness because they are really the personification, they embody for me, the, the reader of Scripture, what it means to really be bold uh, in your faith. And so if you're here today and maybe you are you feel a little bit weak or you feel like you've acquiesced and given in to too, temptation one too many times and could God forgive you, yes, He can forgive you. In fact, He desires to forgive you and restore you. and And I lift up these men to us today not to say, oh, wow, we would never attain to such... Character and such the epitome of boldness. No, I lift these guys up to you today, and I believe the Word of God has preserved them for us so that not to beat us up or intimidate us to say, oh, we could never be that kind of Christian, but to say, yes, we can. By the grace of God and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, we can stand for God in the face of persecution. We can stand for God and we can speak boldly to those. Uh, without the Lord. You're going to read in this text with me, there is this, it's like a seamless movement. I feel like I'm almost on a roller coaster when I read this passage because up at the height of it, man, Paul and Barnabas are preaching the gospel. Multitudes of people are saying yes to Jesus, and then you come right off of that hill and you go right into the valley, and it says in verse uh, 4 that, oh, but that people of they objected to the gospel. And then you go, and many more people believed, and you're kind of going up there. And then it says, and then many more people got mad, and they started persecuting Paul and Barnabas, and they ran them out of the city of Iconium. You know, same way today, I'm, as I live the Christian life, and as I try to engage people with the gospel, and as I try to witness, like many of you are trying to do, we you know, we run into both. We were up on the top, and then we, it just happened to me last week when I was Flying to Des Moines, Iowa. I've never been to Des Moines, Iowa. Somebody said, are you running for president? That's what presidents, (laughs) they go to Iowa caucus. And I said, no. I said, my wife should, but I would never, never do that. Ashley set the whole world straight. I'm telling you, if she was in the office, she would set them straight. She knows a whole lot more about politics than I do. But anyhow, I'm riding, uh, you know, on the airplane and I'm sitting in the back. The plane is full except one seat in the uh, first class. And um, so it's one seat on this side and you got two seats over here. So it's a small plane, right? We're, uh, we're in Dallas and we're on our way up to uh, Des Moines. And, and, and church family, I'm telling you, this has never happened to me before. I, you just have to trust me. I don't remember the lady's name, but she would testify if she was standing here today, that this is literally what happened. We began to talk. She began to share how much she loves Texas. And I said, we love Texas too. And she goes, you know, my family lives in Texas. I live in Iowa, but we're thinking about maybe moving to Texas. I said, oh, that is so great. And then this lady interrupts me. She goes, sir, you're in my seat. And that's the way she said it. And it just kind of just startled me, you know, And, and she wasn't joking. She goes, you're in my seat. And I was talking to this lady, and I said, well, well ma'am, I, I'm in 13-D. And she pulled out her, uh, her ticket, and she goes, mine says 13-D. And I was like, well, I, I, about that time, then here comes the guy that works for American Airlines. And he goes, uh, he called out the lady's name, and, and, uh, and then he said, what is your name? And I said, my name's Danny Forshee. He goes, come with me. You have been bumped up to first class. And I thought, wow, isn't that great? And then I felt the Holy Spirit say, well, maybe you don't need to go to first class. Uh, Maybe you need to stay here and and find out whether this lady knows me or not. And so I've never done, in fact, I've been bumped up to first class maybe two or three times in my life and I could feel the temptation. I could feel the draw, you know, and how they serve you, you know, and take good care of you up there. And so I kid you not, never have I done this in my life. But I turned to the lady, and I said, ma'am, you seem so kind. We have had great conversation, but I just, I cannot leave until I ask you this question. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? And her eyes got real big, Jennifer. I'm not kidding Your eyes got real big. She said, yes, I am. I said, I'm going to first class. And I did. And I did. <laughs> that is the truest story. And she just kind of stood there. She just kind of looked at me and I did. I went up to first class and I And I enjoyed all the amenities of first-class living, and I just studied, studied, and had a—because I'm sitting there by myself, and God was preparing me. He was preparing me. Remember the roller coaster? You're up here. And when I went down, I I, um, landed in Des Moines, and um, I was trying to order some food near the hotel where I was staying. I was also— you know, I, I told you, Patrick, this the other night in prayer meeting. Because I, uh, I know you drive for Lyft or Uber, right? And, and so he, he said, do you drive? for? Did you get an Uber? And I said, no, I got a taxi. He just kind of laughed. And I, I laughed too once I got the taxi bill. Amen. I wasn't laughing. I was like, wow. And so anyhow, I got in a taxi. Andy is just like the guy. Exactly. His cousin from Washington, D.C. Remember him a few years ago? And, man, he was trying to convert me to Islam as hard as, Rick, I'm serious, as hard as I was trying to convert him to Jesus. There were times he was driving. He would literally, I'd say, sir, sir. He was like, no, no, you know. And he would say, do you believe in heaven? I said, yes. You believe in hell? I said, yes. I'm I'm telling you all, guys, it was on. I mean, because I'd already started the conversation, started to share with him. I asked him the question You're from Algeria. Are you a follower of Jesus? Or are you a Muslim? I knew the answer. 99.99% of them are Muslim. And so he said, I'm Muslim. He's very proud of it. You believe in angels? I said, I believe in angels. You believe in demons? I said, Yes, I believe in. It. He said, See, we're the same. We're the same. He said, Except for one difference. He said, You believe. Jesus died for the sins of the world, and he said, and I don't. He said, you see, it's just that one little difference. I said, oh, but sir. (laughs) I said, it makes all the difference in the world. And I said, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, it was by God's grace through Jesus that we're saved, not of ourselves. Cut me off. He wouldn't let me finish, and he just began to pour in the Quran on me as I was quoting Scripture to him. I got out of that taxi, y'all. I was exhausted. I'm telling you, I was worn out. He got out of the car to meet me in the back. He still wanted to convert me, and I was, I just wasn't having it. You know what I'm saying? I I was not going to become a Muslim that day. You know why? Here it is. Jesus died for my sins. He arose from the dead. Had he not done that, I'd be wide open to anybody's ideology or philosophy or religion. But since Jesus really lived and died the substitutionary death, I'm a follower of him. So when I read Paul and Barnabas, and they, they were like, they're up on the mountaintop. Well, let's, let's look at it. Now, it happened in Iconium, modern-day Turkey, speaking of Muslims that they went together, Paul and Barnabas did, to the synagogue. That's where the Jews met for worship, and they spoke. Last week we talked about the speaking power of the apostles and that a great multitude, mountaintop, plateau. I mean, woohoo! thank you, Lord. Multitude of people, both Jews and Greeks, believe. Now, come on down with me in verse 2. Go to the bottom of the hill. But the unbelievers... The unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned, embittered the minds of the people of Iconium against the brethren. Therefore, Paul and Barnabas decided to stay, and I love that. They did not run. they stayed in the midst of the witness. They stayed in the synagogue preaching Jesus, and uh, they were there a long time. They spoke boldly in the Lord, and the Lord was bearing witness to the word of his grace, he granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But I will tell you this, verse 3, I told Lockie, my Muslim taxi driver, I said, here's what I want to do. I'm praying that God reveals himself to you in a dream. And nothing I said before that time made him be quiet except that. Because they believe in dreams and visions. And I said, I want to pray that Jesus appears to you in a dream and he reveals himself to you for who he really is. And it... It's, it silenced him, you know, just, just for just a few minutes. So people being saved and people being upset. And then verse 4, but the multitude of the city was divided. Part of the city sided with the Jews and part of the city sided with the apostles. And when a violent attempt, all right, that roller coaster, it's gone down to the bottom. The violent attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers they wanted to abuse the word abuse" in the Greek means to rush upon, to grab,, si- seize them violently. And they wanted to stone them. Well, they became aware of it, and they fled to Lystra and Derby, about 18 miles southwest of Iconium, cities of Lacononia, and to the surrounding region. Now get back up on the roller coaster with me because here it comes. And Paul and Barnabas were preaching the gospel there. You know, it's just like today when you are walking with the Lord, living for the Lord. There are times when you are up on the mountaintop, then there are times you're in the valley. Last time, what we did with this text, we walked through it and we looked at uh, the following. First of all, we looked at the strategy. There was a bold strategy of the apostles and they did this frequently. They would go, especially Paul. He would go into a city Usually it was a metropolitan city, heavily populated. Go into the city, find the synagogue, go into the synagogue, be a guest preacher, cause a storm. He had preached Jesus, crucified, buried, resurrected. And, 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 and two things would happen, just like it happens today. There will be those who will be very much against that. And then there will be those who are very much for that. So that was the strategy. Number two, we talked last week about them speaking, right? They spoke the Word of God. After that, we saw salvation. There were multitudes of people. I just read it, verses 1 through 3. Multitudes of people, both Jews and Gentiles, believed. And then following on the hills of salvation was what I called stern opposition, right? Uh, And that that is the same today. Uh, If you are walking with the Lord, you're living for Christ, you're going to enjoy the euphoria, the blessings of walking with God... And then you're going to be in the pit, in the valley, in the discouraging times because you and I battle not flesh and blood. We battle an enemy, a a real viable enemy who hates us and hates the gospel. But today I want to pick up really, it's point number five. I want to talk about staying boldness in verse three. It says, Therefore they stayed. And I, I don't know, I just can't get away from that verse so quickly. Oftentimes, and especially in America, in our cancel culture, um, where we want if it, to, if it doesn't meet our preference, if it doesn't meet up exactly with our expectations, what do we do? And, and Christendom is not exempt. I'm seeing a proliferation of a cancel culture within the church. If it doesn't suit me, then I quit it. And I'm gonna move on. I'm gonna go do what I wanna do. Or I'm gonna go to this church and, and go this place or that place. But Paul and Barnabas, I praise God for their example. Church, Great Hills, please be encouraged today when, when it says, and they stayed, and they stayed a long time. You say, how long is a long time? Well, I don't know. They stayed at least enough time until they got ran out when their lives were literally uh, threatened. They stayed a long time. Anybody ever heard, and I want you to raise your hand. This is a pop test, okay? Has anybody ever heard the name Charlotte Diggs Moon? Anybody? Charlotte Diggs Moon. By the way, she also goes by the name of Lottie. Anybody ever heard the name Lottie? Oh, look at you, Baptists, raising your hands in the air. Lottie Moon. She had what I would call staying power. She's a portrait of boldness. She was four foot three. Trey, that's short. That's short to me, you know. I'm I'm five foot something, (laughs) six. I've been five foot six since I was in the second grade, I think. But anyhow, I, I quit growing. She weighed 50 pounds when she died. Charlotte Diggs Moon was born in Virginia, December the 12th, 1840. Miracle of all miracles, she lived till she was 72 years of age. Died on Christmas Eve, December 24th, 1912. One of the first women ever. This is really interesting. One of the first women ever to receive a master's degree in the South. Isn't that that cool? Charlotte Diggs Moon. She was dating Crawford Toy. Crawford Toy was a bright, budding, upcoming theologian in the Southern Baptist Convention. And they were engaged to be married until he said, Charlotte, I need to tell you something. I don't really believe the Bible like I used to. I think it's more story, fable, myth, and I don't really believe it, but I love you. And I know you still believe it and we'll work this thing out. I know we'll find us a church that'll compromise in the middle. And she broke off the engagement and she went to China. She was converted when she was 19 years of age in the great revival preacher, the revival of 1858. Remember that? The revival of 1858, where 1 million people out of 30 million population in America were converted to Christ. And so she was in a, uh, in a meeting, First Baptist Church, Cartersville, Georgia. She heard the call to serve God full-time and she went to China. She would travel throughout North China telling people of Jesus. Uh, She would suffer through the threat of heat, smallpox. on one occasion, uh, there was persecution that broke out in Shaoling, China, and she rushed to the church. Now you gotta picture her in your mind. She reminds me so much of Paul. Not very big, but her heart's huge, in love with Jesus. Charlotte Diggs Moon ran to Shaoling, China, Persecution had broke out. She personally went to the ringleader, and she said these words, and I have them in quotation, "If you attempt to destroy God's church, you are going to have to kill me first. Jesus gave himself for Christians. I'm ready to die for him right here right now. And one of the mob came after her, and was going to kill her. He was restrained, and she lived. Another incident that's just so courageous she uh, heard that a hospital in, I wish I could pronounce this, how would y'all pronounce? W-H-A-N-G-H-S-I-E-N, exactly. The hospital lost some of their personnel. She traveled through the midst of soldiers fighting. Now men, I have to tell you this, it's not good on our gender here. All the guys left and all the women stayed. The men chickened out and left. During the fighting, and the women were huddled up, the nurses, they were scared to death. They didn't want to leave their patients. Lottie Moon comes in, and she rallies them, all four foot of her. She's rallying the troops. Come on, we can do this. We can take care of them. And the men heard that things were okay, and then they came back to to the hospital. And she goes, okay, my time is over here, and now I'm going to leave. And they said, you can't. You can't leave because the troops are fighting. There's a mighty war going on outside of this hospital. in Lottie Moon, if you get in the midst of that, you're going to die. True story. They sent word. <laughs> Man, what a lady. They told the opposing generals, there's a woman of God like no other we've ever met. She's going to pass through. We cannot talk her into not passing through. She's going to go right through the firing line. And we're asking you, General A, and you, General B, would y'all cease fighting? And they did. They did. They quit fighting long enough for her to pass through. When she died, 50 pounds, she had $254 to her name. 20 years after she had passed, some of the Chinese women asked, when is the heavenly book visitor coming again? When's the heavenly book visitor coming, the little lady who would show us the path of life? When I read stories like Lottie Moon or Paul and Barnabas in our text, and I, and I think about how they stayed, they stayed in the heat of the battle. Some of you need to stay with the Lord. You need to stay with your faith. You need to stay with your marriage You just stay with your kids. You say, but they're driving me crazy. No, but they're yours, right? Hang in there with your grandkids. Well, they're breaking my heart, pastor. They just turned away from God. They prodigal girls, prodigal boys. Stay with them. Stay with your church. Stay with your faith. I get that from Paul and Barnabas because it says literally when times got hard, they decided to stay. The second thing I want to share with you, actually, it's point six, is there was stern opposition again in verses four and five. Luke is giving you and me a heads up in verse 4 when he says, But, but trouble is going to come again. Now, Iconium, let me talk to you a little bit about Iconium. It is a very uh, eclectic city. It sounds a lot like Austin. It's got, I mean, it's got people from all over the region, and I'll list them for you Phrygians, Greeks, Jews, Romans, and they favored the more Greek um, political structure. They had a group called the Demos and the Deimos, Demos, D E M O S, they led their city the way Greeks would lead the city and the Romans were like, well, you're not going to change their minds in Iconium. Just let them have their let them have their form of government unless they cause problems then we will come in. One writer says this that they that Iconium was a polarized smoldering cauldron, okay? You got all this diversity. And you got all these Greeks and all these Romans and all these Jews and Phrygians and people from all over the region. And you just got this melting pot. And here comes Paul and Barnabas. In this eclectic, diverse city saying, we respect you and all your beliefs, but we're here to tell you that there is a way to God. Jesus is his name. The way, the truth, he's the life. If you do that in Austin, it's the same in Iconium. You will have people rise up. They will call you blessed, and there will be people who will surrender to Christ in your city too, wherever you're listening. It's the same. People will receive Christ, and people will reject Christ. And sometimes the opposition will be rather stern, right? Look at it in verse 4. But the multitude of the city was divided. Part of them sided with the Jews and part sided with the apostles and a violent attempt. Now think with me, use your imagination for just a moment. A violent attempt was made. Now, the first word, abuse, means the Jews and the Gentiles who did not believe started rushing toward them. And Paul and Barnabas are thinking, this is probably where we meet Jesus face to face because these people are angry. And they rushed toward them and it says they were going to stone them. Now, there are two words I want you to notice in verse four and verse five. The first word is apostles and the second word is stone. Now, I'm gonna share something with you. You Bible students, you, you, you're, you'll appreciate this. The word apostles is the Greek word apostle. It's the same word, apostolos. I thought, I thought that was really interesting because Paul and Barnabas are not one of the 12 apostles, Right? You with me? So why were they called apostles? Apo means from. Stello means to send. Apostello means to send from, or apo really means out. It means to send out. They were called apostles because they had been sent out. Just like the early apostles, they were sent out by Jesus. These apostolic brothers had been sent out by the church at Antioch, and so they were called apostles. What about the stoning? Well, we know what's going on. Luke is telling us if capital punishment ever happens in that part of the world because of stoning, then the Jews are involved. That was their form of capital punishment. So they are being rushed, the apostles were, This violent attempt. Now, now guys, I'm not not talking about just laying hands on you, shaking your hand, or COVID days, giving you the elbow. They're grabbing them, and they're going to seize them, place them in a pit like they did Stephen, and stone them, pelt them. In verse 5, again, it just turns violent. You you, you see that these men, their very lives are at stake, and yet um, they are going to be delivered. Praise God, right? They're in the valley, but the mountain... Top is coming. Not to the extent that we're experiencing it in the text, but I experience this a lot. I experience this a lot in my ministry, and I want to elaborate on that. Whenever the gospel is being preached, there is this violent attempt by the darkness to steal away the seed of the gospel. It is fascinating to me. Whenever the word of God goes forward, there's a battle raging in the hearts and the minds of people listening. Never was this so brought to my attention. When I was preaching in Charlotte, North Carolina, it was a Tuesday night it was a revival meeting. I believe it was the First Baptist Church of Charlotte, North Carolina. And there was a little girl there about eight years of age. Her name was Jenna. And during the message, Later on, the mom came up to me and she said, sir, I was watching my daughter as you were preaching. And she would tell me, she said, mom, my heart is beating really fast. And I'm hearing what this preacher is telling me about the gospel. And then the mom said, and then something would come over her. Just some kind of, and the mom was really freaking out going, she said it was like this darkness would come over here and she would just kind of sit back into her chair. And she goes, I didn't know what to do. So I just started praying saying, God, please help my daughter. Well, sure enough, after, after I gave the invitation, she came forward during the invitation and her mom gave, came with her and she gave her heart to Jesus Christ. She came back the next night, Wednesday night, and the the pastor baptized her. But I I, I think about that often. I I think about how it happens even right here, right now. And those of you online, I'm sorry, you are not exempt. You, You get the same treatment. The Word of God goes forward, and there's battles going on. There, those of us who are saved, we're like, yeah, I know what that's all about, brother, because I was in the valley one time, too, and Jesus, he, he, he extracted me out of my darkness. And so, here's what we're going to do at Great Hills Baptist Church. Just, just like then, we'll give you an opportunity to be saved today. In fact, in just a few minutes, I'll conclude this message, and I will invite you to do what Jenna did, give your heart to Christ. You say, but I want to do that, but I'm telling you, there's something keeping me in this seat. It's called darkness. It's a a battle for your soul. And so what we're going to be doing, Christians, in a few moments, I'm going to ask our church, y'all just be praying. Every time the Word of God goes forward, there's this battle. So when I pray in a moment, we're going to have biblical counselors. We're going to have men and women who love Jesus. They're going to be standing out in the great hall and If you feel like the Lord is calling you to himself, then I invite you to get up. And you say, well, I don't know these people. That's okay. God knows them. God knows who they are. And they're out there waiting on you to pray with you, to encourage you and lead you to Christ. The last point I want to share with you, I call this point seven. It's a surge forward. In verse six, it says, they became aware of it. The mob mentality, right? They were going to storm in and they were going to grab Paul and Barnabas. They knew it was coming and so they fled. Now that's not cowardice. That's actually common sense, right? It wasn't time for them to die. They had places they had to go. So they became aware of it. In verse six, they fled to Lystra and Derbe. Hey, check this out. Guess who lives in Lystra and Derbe? Lois and Eunice We have a Eunice in our church, don't we? Praise God, Ralph. Sweet, godly mama that you have. And a boy, a young man named, just curious, anybody? Timothy, who lives in Lystra and Derby. When Paul leaves Iconium, he goes to Lystra and preaches the gospel. Lois and Eunice get saved and Timothy gets saved. Have y'all heard the name Timothy? You ever heard the book, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy? That guy, Timothy, lives in Lystra. Had Paul been killed or if he just said, well, I'm not getting out of here. Y'all just stone me if you want to. No, it was God's will for him to get out. I I like the way one writer put it. He goes, this was an act of prudence, not cowardice. And another writer put it this way, (laughs) a little more memorable. He goes, they were born again, but not born yesterday. In other words, they had common sense and they got, they got out. Persecution uh, often will follow God doing great, great things. I, I think their setback was literally a set up for God to use them in the, next, in the next town, the next city. Verse 7, and I'll close with this, and I love verse 7 when it says... And they were preaching the gospel there. Um, the The word preaching the gospel for those Bible scholars out there, you're going to love this. The word preaching the gospel is one Greek word. It's the Greek word euangelizo. It's where we get our English word. Literally, it's transliterated from English into excuse me from Greek into English, and it is the word evangelize, evangelism. So they weren't, distra- they weren't discouraged, they weren't distracted. They even a threat on their life. They go to the next city, it's only 18 miles, but they get out of, by the way, those folks from Iconium are coming. Later on, you'll see them, they catch up with Paul and they, they about kill him and they do stone him, but God raises him up, that's another sermon. But I i, I look at Paul and Barnabas and, and, I, and I look at the portrait of courage and, I, and I, I hold these guys up for you, Great Hills, and for me to say, look, Look what God can do through faithfulness. Look, look what God can do in your life, in my life, if we don't give up, if we go on. If we don't say, well, you know, I'll just quit, or, oh, it's just too hard, oh, I'm just too tempted. No, don't do that because, look, you're... you're come on now, get on that roller coaster with me. Some of you are down at the bottom today. I'm just telling you, I, I have my fair share of moments down at the bottom, okay? The valley, the ravine, Right? but aren't you glad, praise God, the roller coaster doesn't stay there. It ç- 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 y'all ever been rolling six flags? Asking, I'm so old, I remember six flags riding that old wooden roller coaster. It goes... Um, and right when it gets to the top, it'll go... And you go, oh boy, here we go. And you get up at the top and you're like, oh man, you see all of San Antonio from up here. You can see all of Atlanta, Georgia, wherever I've been to Six Flags, and then what happens next? Whee! You go to. I'm like, welcome to the Christian life, you know. That's just the way it goes. But don't quit at the bottom when God's going to pull you on up to the top. Thank you. One more Lottie Moon quote, then we're, then we're done. Now, I'll have a hard time reading this, man. What a, what a heroine of the faith. No wonder they named the whole Christmas offering after her. Somebody said, we ever want to pay that lady off? And, no, we're not going to pay her off. We're, we're going to keep giving every year. The needs of the people press upon my soul, and I cannot be silent. People talk vaguely about the heathen. Picturing them as scarcely human or at best as ignorant barbarians. But if they could live among them like I do, they would find in the men much to respect and admire. In the women and the girls, they would see many sweet and lovely traits of character. They would feel pressing upon their heart and conscience the duty of giving the gospel to them. Here I am working alone in a city. of many thousands with no access to the gospel. How many can I reach? It fills one with sorrow to see these people so earnest in their worship of their gods, seeking to work out their salvation by supposed works of merit with no one, nobody to tell them of a better way. Should we not press it home? Should we not press it home upon our consciences that the sole object of our conversion was not the salvation of our souls, but that we might become co-workers with our Lord and our Master in the conversion of the world? End of quote. So I want to pray uh, for you, pray with you earlier if you would bow your heads and close your eyes, I, I shared with you earlier, like little Jenna in First Baptist Church of Charlotte. Maybe you here today, uh, maybe you are the one, uh, the child, the, maybe the adolescent, maybe a teenager, college student, young adult. Maybe uh, on in your 40s and 50s and just cruising through life, maybe a senior adult and today the word of God, the gospel has really spoken to you. And I said earlier, and I'm, I'm going to pray for you, just keep, keep hanging in there with me. I, I said earlier that it is, a, it is a miracle that you are at this place. So many people have prayed for your soul. You have heard the gospel today. In fact, the gospel has been proclaimed through the lives of bold men and women of the faith. And that good news is that you can be born again. You can be saved. And all you have to do is believe in Jesus, turn from your way of doing things and surrender to God's way of doing things and, and the transformation takes place. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna pray for you now. And as I pray, you, or we'll stand in a moment, we'll sing. And as we do that, we invite you, we invite you just to go to the great hall. You say, I have no idea where that is, preacher. This is the first time I've been in church in a long time. Uh, you just ask somebody, say, uh, excuse me, where's the great hall? And they'll point you. It's right behind this camera, behind these doors right here. And there will be people, I know them. They're godly men and women. They're not going to judge you. They're not going to throw a stone at you. They're going to say, how can I help you? How can I pray for you? How can I share the, the gospel, the good news with you? Others of you here today, come on now, you're in the valley. You're at the bottom of the hill. And you just wish somebody would pray, pray for you. Well, guess what? They, they're out there. We're going to do this Tuesday night. It's going to be a little more conspicuous. We're just going to be here at the altar. But today, we're going to give you a, a little anonymity, if you will. And you can just slip on out into the great hall. There will be people praying, praying for you there. So, Father, we pray in Jesus' name that the Word of God today has gone forward um, in boldness. We pray, God, that it has not fallen upon uh, hard, brittle, crusty ground. We're praying for soft, moldable, um, receptive soil. Lord, I'm going to pray right now in Jesus' name. God, you're the only one that has the power to stop the darkness. As the battle rages, as that young man even now decides, will I get up? Will I go? Will I give my heart to Christ? All of hell, Jesus is screaming at him to stay in his seat. But all of heaven applauds and says, come, come to Christ. Believe in him. Receive his goodness, his grace in your life. Oh, my word, watch what he'll do with you. He will do amazing things in you, to you through you. So, Lord, that's my prayer today. I'm praying that these dear people online, God, I thank you for them. So many are so faithful to watch us every week. Many of them are members at Great Hills. Bless them. Thank you for them. Lord, their love for you, their love for their church. We're just praying, God, you'd move in a sweet way right now, right here in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.